everybody. That's it for us. I'm Elizabeth Vargas. We'll be right back here again tomorrow night. Right now, it's time for The Hill, moderated by Blake Berman. You have yourself a great night. Great. Yep. All right, so it is the primary that could potentially cause some trouble for the president of the United States. Polls close in two hours' time in the state of Michigan, where Democrats, by the thousands, are expected to vote uncommitted. Many Arab Americans protesting the commander-in-chief's position on the Israel-Hamas war. It is also the first time in 2024 where votes will be cast in one of the crucial swing states that could determine in November who wins the White House. So, where was the president Monday night in the lead-up to today's vote? Hey, Mr. President. A surprise visit to the late-night TV comedy circuit. Come on in. I'm Blake Berman. This is The Hill on News Nation. All right, here we go. Hanging out with us today, Scott Bolden, News Nation political contributor and former D.C. Democratic Party chairman. Roma Davari uh, is a former Trump White House, Daravi, excuse me, is former Trump White House deputy director of strategic communications. Brad Howard, a Democratic strategist. And Mick Mulvaney, former Trump White House chief of staff, News Nation contributor as well. Hello to you all, Roma Daravi. I got that confused <laughs> off the top, excuse me. Oh, yeah. Uh, times. Yeah, I got it right eventually. You'll read anything off the television. <laughs> I've, I've known Roma for quite some time. I've known her for quite some time. Mick, here's your article on the Hill. The primary voters uh, Trump should worry about. We're going to get to your story here in a second. But what about this decision from the president's orbit to put him on late night television last night in advance of Michigan? I know that it was the 10 year anniversary of Seth Meyers, but that doesn't guarantee you a presidential visit. Someone decided to do this last night. Why, Mick, do you think this was the time that they decided to put the president on late night TV? Younger voters, and it's a softball interview. It's not like going on a Sunday talk show and having a real journalist. I mean, like Seth Meyers, don't get me wrong, but this is not the hard-hitting stuff. Um, so it's a, probably a smart play. It, it's no accident that it happened. It's not like CBS calls or whoever, I don't even know who Seth Meyers is with, and says, can we get you tonight? The, the White House calls and says, we right. would like to be on tonight. They pick and choose the time. So the you place. think they purposely want it to be on the night before Michigan? Younger audience before the, the Michigan primary. Right. doesn't hurt at all. Absolutely. I think it was a smart, strategic play here. Uh, you know, the president, when he's in that environment, one-on-one, his personality shines through. He's funny. He's engaging. He's warm. Um, and, you know, I think he presented the issues of the day in a way that relates to younger audiences. And you've got a huge young voting population in Michigan with the university system there. And it, it, it reminds voters of why they like him. And I thought that was smart. Does anybody know if the show's taped or is it live? I just, I, it was it's taped. Yeah, yeah so he did critical. it earlier in the day yes. and then, you know, appeared at midnight Eastern or whatever. Yeah. They don't, they yeah. don't edit out no, my point says, is, he, yeah. he, he, he get somebody who's 80 years old, who's getting up in years, I mean, we would Shoot never do it. something with, you know, that late with my parents. If you do the 4.30 <laughs> in the afternoon, nothing. Well, That was a huge thing for them. They heard about it for a whole week after. Why did you pass on the Super Bowl softball interview? So this was definitely an opportunity for them that they saw, we need to change the narrative on that. He took it, in my opinion, too casually. He got up there. He was having fun. They went to an ice cream shop, and he decided to talk about a ceasefire that okay. doesn't exist. So here, so. So, so here's that moment uh, as the president was there in New York. 
talking what what Roma mentioned about this idea of maybe there's a ceasefire in the works between Israel and Hamas. Watch. Can you give us a sense of when you think that ceasefire will start, sir? Well, I hope by the beginning of the weekend. I mean, the end of the weekend. At least my, my, my national security advisor tells me that we're close. We're close. We're not done yet. And my hope is by next Monday, we'll have a ceasefire. Israel and Hamas, Scott, today both pushed back against that. Is, is, is that simply just trying to win the Michigan primary, and is it worth it and appropriate if that's the case? No, it, I probably wouldn't have said that in a social setting like that. But what did the president say? He said, I hope. And I've talked to my national security advisor. They are working on a temporary ceasefire. What I thought you were going to say, and Mick was going to say, that he didn't say temporary uh, ceasefire. He said ceasefire, which has some permanence to Completely it. That's not, that's not the statement. case. Right. But listen, the appearance had nothing to do with Michigan. He needs younger voters. He smiled a lot. He was lighthearted. He cracked on Trump, not knowing his wife's uh, name in a deposition or an interview or uh, a speech. And so this was all good television to lighten him up. And I'll add, for some time, the Biden administration has been introducing the ceasefire term in the vernacular. You're starting to hear Mm -hmm. folks mention it in the context of first releasing the hostages and then getting a ceasefire. And so there's conditions around it, and he should have specified temporary because there's really no ability for a long-term ceasefire here yeah, until I, every single hostage is And that's why he did that on did purpose, it. though. Do you think it was on purpose? I think he left that out on purpose. He's leaning towards not just these Michigan voters, but an entire base that is saying, you're not strong enough on this. And he's it, unfortunately, doing, he's also losing the Jewish vote on this because uh, they're <laughs> seeing it I was just in Israel three weeks ago. <laughs> Jewish American voters, the ones that want him to be where he is, are going to be with him throughout this effort, as long as he continues to maintain support for bringing the hostages. I do think, though, there's a lot of Jewish voters who see him going left and left and left, Correct. And, left and say, wait a minute here. Yeah, right, but, but you he, also have to acknowledge both the conditions on the ground have dramatically changed mm-hmm. and right. that the American people... You, you're gotta, you've got to you've got to ensure here that you've got support of the American people when you are doing when you're engaging in foreign conflict. Okay. And so he's now so still a tough political. Still voting against the uh, uh, ceasefire in the UN. Also, Correct. they're still voting okay. against it. So uh, Mick's sitting back because he's waiting for me to team up with this. I think <laughs> new article in the Hill. Oh, Mulvaney, I'm enjoying the, I'm enjoying you're the just enjoying this. Yeah. All right. Like I say, come on, hang yeah. out with us. Um, The primary voters Trump should be worried about. Show the full screen, because this is essentially what Mick was talking about. State of South Carolina, his home state. What happened there over the weekend? We know with Trump and Haley, it was basically 60-40, except it wasn't, because Ron DeSantis picked up about 3,000 votes. Vivek Ramaswamy and Chris Christie each, give or take, about 700. Ryan Binkley, 500. And David Stuckenberg, 360, Mick. And so I saw this data uh, over the weekend, right after the primary, and I asked my Myself, who would vote for Ryan Binkley? Um, I, I don't even know who that is, and I'm in South Carolina. Um, and it occurred to me that this was an, an important sort of grouping. And it, what it might be is folks who, they're really hardcore Republicans. They felt it was their civic duty to come out and vote, but they could not vote for Trump. They could not vote for Haley. I'm worried, as a Republican, that those folks are not coming back. 
that if Trump is the nominee, these folks are not going to vote for him. And there's, well, it's only 1% in South Carolina doesn't mean yeah. a difference. You see similar numbers like that in Michigan, well, that's Arizona, right. uh, you know, North Carolina. Then it becomes a problem. I think the Haley voters come back. The Haley voters are Republicans. There's some Haley voters who are independents and, and Democrats because a lot of these are open primaries. The Republican Haley voters like Trump policies. They're coming back. But if you voted for Ryan Binkley, I think your days of being in the Republican Party are over. I'm not sure how many times, Roma, you push back against Mulvaney in the White House, but you're going to push back against on him, on him now or no? You know, I, I think uh, he has a point for sure. When it comes to specific states, swing states, if you're looking at Nikki and Trump, Trump is up in every single swing state. And, you know, that's not going to I'm not change. Worried about the, I'm, so, not worried about the, I'm worried about the general. The general election, you, I, I just read a poll today that was the exact same way. It's only a few points, three, four, maybe five, six points max in each swing state. But Trump is beating Biden right now. And so I think that's why you're seeing the White House make a lot of moves that they wouldn't normally do in a time that's still very far out from the election because they realize I get all that. people I, I, are paying attention I, I, right now. I think now. Trump is leading right now. I think the election would, would Trump would win if the election were. I'm not arguing that. What I'm saying is I worry in such close races if Either I would be worried if either candidate is losing their base. We're going to talk a little bit. State about of Michigan was like ten thousand, right, in twenty sixteen, yeah. somewhere yeah. in there. Democrats give or take. losing Palestinian Americans in yeah. Michigan. If if Trump is losing some of the Republican base, again, this is a Republican primary. Hey, hey listen, the, the, um, forgive me for interrupting. No, go ahead. The, the the election is now. We may be nine, ten months out, but the election is now. And more importantly, uh, both of these very unpopular candidates, they're going to both take some hits of people uh, uh, staying away or writing in their parents' name or something. They're going to both suffer from that. It may matter in swing states, but overall it's not going to have a big impact on the election results. But I, I don't know if you can say those two things at the same time. If it has a big impact in a swing state, yeah. it may have an impact. In I'm a election. lawyer. I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Come on in. Uh, Governor Chris Sununu, state of New Hampshire, joining us here on the Hill. Appreciate the time, New sir. New Jersey. We get that yeah, I said New Jersey earlier. I meant New Hampshire. Forgive me if I ever... Go into your state. Don't throw a speeding <laughs> ticket my way or something. Uh, Governor, thanks for being with us here on the Hill. What do you make of, of Mulvaney's article, Mick's article, and, 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 the point, and the point that he's making? You just heard some of it. I wonder, I wonder if you, if you yeah, share the no, concerns. It, no, look, I think there's a huge concern across the entire Republican Party with Trump at the top of the ticket. Um, you know, the, the constituencies, constituencies I look at, the suburban moms, they left in, in 2020. I don't see them coming back with Trump on top of the ticket. That younger voter, we've lost about 10, 12 percent of the actual voting part. Well, not that Republicans won the young vote uh, in droves, but the, we're losing even bigger margins now. And I think that's exactly what you saw Biden do with Seth Meyers. He's trying to firm up that younger vote, that Democrat vote. Don't forget about me. Come out. He's trying to convince people he's not 80 years old, and that's going to be a tough one. Gets tougher every day for that guy. But I think Mick is right on, on target. You're going to have a lot of constituencies that have to be there to get the, not, just the, not just the total popular vote, but in Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Those constituencies have to be there. They've walked away from Trump. And that's why I'm working so hard for Nikki Haley. I mean, that's really exactly yeah. what this is about. Electability up and down the ticket because he's going to cost us House seats. Senate seats and governorships, okay. we can get into where the money's going to go, which ain't at Trump. It's not at the RNC. The, the, how the big money is going to flow in this campaign, governor. if Trump is the nominee, is going to be substantially different as well. You are a sitting governor, obviously. I just heard you mention suburban moms, uh, the youth vote as well. Let's talk about some other issues, immigration and the economy, because, Governor, for the first time now, immigration has overtaken the economy as the number one issue 
across this country. If, if you basically if we see the numbers on your screen, economy, inflation, kind of the same thing at 23 percent, immigration at 28 percent. You know that you know the, the, the saying, Governor, it's the economy, stupid, that that's what races come down to. But do you think it might be different this time, immigration and potentially yeah. with it crime? Yeah, and, and you don't have to say it's immigration stupid because everybody knows it but, but Joe Biden, and apparently he's finally waking up, but you're, you've hit it right on the head. This is the issue. When I was at the White House this past week, the number one issue for Republicans and Democrat governors, we're all with them, and you know, talking to Secretary Mayorkas and the president directly, immigration, immigration, immigration. So they've put forth these policies very early on. It's been an epic disaster. Politically, they don't know how to get out of it because they've made campaign promises. They're putting that ahead of the so interest what about, of what the about United sending, States in securing the border. What about sending National Guard troops to, to, uh, to the border? You've done it. You asked for $850,000 from state funds uh, to, to go to Texas. You've been criticized for that. Why are you doing it? No, look, it's because it's the right thing to do. And, and the only people criticizing me are the ultra, ultra left, left wing. And the fact of the matter is people are very much in, in support of governors sending troops. I've sent hundreds of troops. This is a smaller de- detachment of um, MPs to help specifically with Eagle Pass. with so a little bit of a smaller. A lot of states are joining in that effort because whether you're in New Hampshire or California or Texas or uh, Arkansas, everyone knows that, that the border security, it leads to fentanyl. It's inhumane what's going on okay. down there. The human trafficking and sex trafficking is very real. That hits, that's hitting all 50 states. And the Democrat governors, by the way, are quietly going, Thank you, Republican governors, for finally making this hmm. an issue because they're getting crushed, too. This is not Biden versus Texas. This is the Biden administration versus 50 states. And that's why they're, 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 they're okay. struggling. They have no answers. The only answer is one bill that is not going to pass. And they acknowledge it's not going to pass. But they got no plan B. They got no plan right. C. And good management requires on the biggest Amer- American okay. security issue that you have plan B and plan C ready to go. And that's, that's, that's the only reason right now why Trump it looks like he could beat Biden in November. Okay, we'll leave it there. Governor Chris Sununu, State of New Hampshire. Thank you, sir. Hope you come on back. You bet. Yep. All right. Coming up still here on the Hill. Could the district attorney that is overseeing Donald Trump's case in Georgia actually be kicked off the case? What exactly happened inside that courtroom today? Jesse Weber joins us on the other side of the break. Plus, what do you think it's like to be in the Oval Office for a meeting like that? Mick has been in a few. Hot Mike with Mick later in the show on what he's hearing. And did you see this? Monica Lewinsky stepping back into the spotlight. What she is saying and why she's saying it. That's when The Hill on News Nation returns. witness back on the stand today in the Fonnie Willis hearing in the state of Georgia. The outcome will determine whether the Fulton County Georgia District Attorney is allowed to remain part of former President Donald Trump's election interference case in Georgia. Now, divorce lawyer Terrence Bradley doubled down that he had no knowledge of when the relationship began between his former law partner, Nathan Wade, the top prosecutor on the case, and Fonnie Willis. But prosecutors still pressed him on how he learned about their relationship. I'm asking you, how did you know that? How did I know when they met? Somebody told you that, right? When they met? Yeah. Yes, correct. Who told you? Mr. Wade told me when they met. So you had more than one conversation about the relationship between Mr. Wade and Ms. Willis because he told you where he met her. Yes, correct. correct. 
Incorrect. It's incorrect. It's incorrect. All right, joining us now, the host of Law and Crime Network uh, and News Nation legal contributor, Jesse Weber. Hello, Jesse. Um, I'm not sure Mr. Bradley had the best day there up on the stand. I kind of don't want to get into to the back and forth yep. with all of it. The, the real question here is what's going to happen to Fonnie Willis and where do you think this goes with her? Is she going to stay on the case or not based off of where everything is today as you see it? So big picture, this guy had terrible credibility issues and he was supposed to be an important witness, right? The Star witness, here, right? Yeah, so, so the, the big thing here is when did this relationship between Nathan Wade and Fonnie Willis happen? If it occurred before she hired him, that looks really bad. Now both Willis and Wade have said that, no, they began the relationship after she hired him. But Terrence Bradley, the guy you just saw there, he allegedly sent a text message to one of the defense attorneys in this case saying, I'm not even, this is the exact words, absolutely the relationship started before she hired him. He gets on the stand today and basically says, oh, I was speculating, I don't remember when the date started. The right. judge is going to so have is, to weigh these be, credible is, issues. Oh, big yeah, picture? Is she going to be kicked off or no? I don't, I don't think so. I, I think this is a question of that she has okay. serious judgment issues. I think the judge is going to say, I can make an argument that there's a conflict of interest here, that you were possibly benefiting from appointing uh, Nathan Wade to lead this case, but it might not rise to the level of where she is actually disqualified from prosecuting Donald Trump. I don't know if we've okay. reached that you level agree? yet. Yeah, I agree with you, Jesse. I also don't think that the defense lawyers in this case have proven that there was something illicit going on or when the relationship started. The witness today certainly didn't help either side. And so it's a credibility issue and the judges have to make a determination. But I agree with you. It's not enough to throw her off the case. But that opinion he writes <laughs> is probably going to be ethically scathing to both of them from an appearance standpoint. Okay, separate yeah. case, Jesse, uh, up in the state of, the, uh, state of New York, around yeah. the corner from you. Former President Donald Trump's lawyers are now asking that uh, Stormy Daniels and his former attorney-slash-fixer Michael Cohen be blocked from testimony in that New York case. Where is that going and are we going to see Stormy Daniels on the stand? Let me be as clear as I can be. There is absolutely <laughs> no way they are going to be barred from testimony, from testifying. Okay. Why? Because that's the purpose of a trial. You have them on the stand. <laughs> that's how you determine if they're credible or not. I've never heard of someone say, oh, I think they're going to be not truthful. We're not going to have them testify. That's not going to be. So they right. are important witnesses because if you're talking about the hush money payments at issue here, how could you not have these key witnesses talking about it? Now, does that make the prosecution's case stronger? Not necessarily. Michael Cohen has a number of credibility issues that will be raised by Donald Trump's team, and this is already a legally complicated case. But do not expect that these two will not testify. What does it mean for Trump, Mick, if those two hit the stand, especially her? What are they going to say that they haven't already said a hundred times? Okay. That, that's, where is the new evidence? That's what I keep wondering about in all of these cases. What, what, is, what is Michael Cohen going to say I just worry about, I, that he has been selling for the last three years? I just wonder as we get closer to the election and she's out there and talking again and brings it to the forefront, nah, no big deal. Show me the swing voter that hasn't already made up their mind one way or the other on Stormy Daniels and Donald Trump. Again, these are the two, Donald Trump and Joe Biden are the two most well-known politicians in the country. I don't know how any of this moves the needle at all, short of a a criminal conviction, and I still don't see that because I don't see any evidence that I haven't already read about in every single newspaper in the country. Well, that might be true, but you can certainly see a criminal conviction. This is a paper case. There are 30 plus counts of fraud under New York uh, business law, and the fraud is easy to prove. It's but then a why, paper case. I, I, 
And by the way, if whether I, he gets convicted or not, the Republicans are going to stick with Donald for, Trump. For, for sake of discussion, I'll agree with that. It's a paper case. I get that. Then why even trot out Michael Cohen? Well, because Michael gonna... Cohen did the transaction, and while he's a, he's a convicted perjurer, if you yeah. will, yeah. what you look for in this trial is whether there's corroboration and what documents this, ADA, this uh, district attorney has to corroborate his testimony. That's what you look for in the and, trial. And, and let me just say one thing real quick. Not yeah, all the right. jurors are going to be like Mick, right? They're not going to know about the intricacies of this case. They might have heard something, hmm. but they might not yeah. know it as well as Mick does. All right, Jesse Weber, News Nation legal contributor. See you soon. Thanks again, Jesse. I just got out of jury duty. <laughs> you just got out of jury duty, yeah. Cheers. Good for you. All right. And I'm not having you back. Any circumstances. I'm sorry, bro. No, don't worry about it. Monica Lewinsky. Have you seen this? Let me show you what she's up to. She's the latest face of the sustainable brand. Reformation, the campaign uh, that they've put together, it's in collaboration with the nonprofit voting organization, uh, Vote.org. They're trying to bring awareness to voter registration and participation. They're here to remind you that you've, quote, got the power. Monica Lewinsky out in this um, campaign. What do you make of it, Roma? Well, it's Reformation. I have Reformation. To say what did I say? That. You said Reformation. Sorry, Reformation. Reformation. Um, love their stuff. I'm not surprised to see her doing this. You know, uh, it's 2024, so every D-list celebrity is getting involved in politics these days. But as Mick said, is it really going to move the needle? No, Good probably for her. not. Good for her, though, right? I, I disagree. I think this is a noble attempt. But Lewinsky had the world crash upon her yeah, as a I mean, very like, young woman. Yeah, and she has I mean, navigated it in a way that I think inspires a lot of women. She's 50 oh, now, right? She got yeah. involved and, in cyberbullying cyber oh, a couple her, of years ago. It was yeah. amazing. She has a history of that trying to engage politically work. and advance issues. Gonna, and, so and she's had a strong issue in fashion. Are you going to take issue with this? So just to be clear, this is not the Protestant Reformation, right? This is <laughs> <laughs> well, but let me, let me add that I think like there's a lot of people of my generation, the millennial right. generation, who know the name well, who know what it is, and I think she's, you know, at the same time rebuilding, continuing to strengthen right. her brand. I think people are listening to yeah. what she's up to. Yeah, and, and she, she looks good. She she looks looks I was going to end this by saying, good, good on, you know, yeah, good, good on her, Instagram Monica Lewinsky. Uh, Don't knock the doing this. No, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> just an interesting seeing her come back to the forefront again. All right, still much more ahead here on the Hill. Inflation remains one of the key issues coming up in the election. Did you hear about this, though? Did the CEO of Kellogg's perhaps take it a touch too far? Why he is not apologizing for saying what and when you could eat. And by the way, the U.S. Army is cutting back on troops. Why they're doing it. And think about this for a second. If the Army can cut, shouldn't Washington be able to do the same? Stay with us. You're watching The Hill here on News Nation. Welcome back here to The Hill. So we've been reporting for months about how the price of food is more expensive than ever. Really, all you have to do is go to the grocery store and you know, right? As we mentioned last week, it's been 30 years since food accounted for as much of Americans' income as it does right now. Well, the CEO of Kellogg's was, was asked about all of this, or at least some of it. He was uh, talking after his earnings call uh, about a week or so ago, and he talked about the concept of cereal for dinner saying it is much more affordable than a traditional dinner. Um, here he was, CEO of Kellogg's Gary Pilnick, just the other day. Watch. The cereal category has always been quite affordable, and it tends to be a great destination when consumers are under pressure. So some of the things that we're doing is first messaging. we got to reach the consumer where they are 
So we're advertising about cereal for dinner. If you think about the cost of cereal for a family versus what they might otherwise do, that's going to be much more affordable. That's going to be much more affordable. And he got some backlash about、um, basically saying, you know he what? Should. He should? He should、Why? get some backlash. Why? Why? Because in my community of African Americans who suffer in food deserts、uh-huh. when they're the poor and the least and lost and left out, they are eating cereal, unhealthy. High fructose,、uh, high carbohydrate cereal that's not healthy for them. When they're overweight, they tax the healthcare system, and it's a vicious circle. That's why he should be saying that. Okay, so will, before, will, before, I, you jump, before you jump、yeah. in, he was asked about this.、Um, he was asked if the suggestion for cereal for dinner has the potential to land the wrong way, and he said, quote, We don't think so. In fact, it's landing really well, well that's right now. That's self serving for his company. He's the CEO of Athlon Ernie's. I have to agree with you on the, on the sugar. There's no question about it. There's some stuff out there that's really, really not healthy. But when I was a single man, I ate a lot of cereal for dinner. I mean, that's not that outrageous to、when、say. I was that, in college, I did. Have a special, and have a bowl of special K for dinner. I mean, when I was in the White House, you work until 11 o'clock at night. You're not making a fancy dinner when you get home. You eat whatever you can. I, I just don't find it. The sugar thing is right. That's, and that's a fair point, especially in neighborhoods that can't get fresh food, fresh fruit, that kind of stuff. That I understand. Or advice so, and counsel. The idea of cereal for dinner by itself shouldn't、so、be that good. So this, this went viral real quick, and then I'll, I'll get your reaction on the other side. Show the post if we can.、Uh, someone said, man. Uh, man wants to push his business model for success, gets backlash. Got it. Haven't we all had cereal for dinner, rich or poor? That was one response. The other said, We live in a world where families have to choose cereal for dinner to save money. Sad. So that's part it, of the viral response. It's, it's a viral reality.、Response. I just don't know that it should be like a recommendation from the company that stands to profit on、okay. impoverished people. Fair. Well, the overall conversation is that food is more expensive, right? No one's arguing with that. So, how are we actually going to make this、right. better for the American people? People. As the CEO of a major food company, grocery store company, he should have a better answer than that. So,、uh, some, head- some news in the headlines today Macy's closing up 150 stores over the next few years or so. And that got me thinking now, granted, they're putting like Bloomingdale's and Bloom Mercury higher end stores. But I thought to myself, Scott, you know what? If they're closing Macy's, I mean, this is an iconic brand.、Mm-hmm. Right? From the last few decades. From the last few decades, correct.、Right. An iconic brand of the last, last couple decades or so. Why are we blocking Albertson and Kroger? And why are you potentially going to block the Capital One Discover deal? Is this the time to block? If Macy's can't cut it, is this the time to stop blocking? The com- major companies that, that need to merge? Well, you're talking about apples and oranges, first. It, it, it is,、okay. but. So, literally. <laughs> he, right, li- li- literally. But the, the reality is,、uh, this was a strategic move for growth. You know, Macy's and Bloomingdale's and the owner holding company has been in trouble for some time. And so, shutting down、uh, Bloomingdale's, I'm sorry, shutting down Macy's, which is a step or two below Bloomingdale's, is a growth strategy that Wall Street has reacted positively to.、Mm-hmm. Now, in regard to the mergers and stuff, Democrats hate mergers. It's going to hurt the workers. And、um, raise the costs and so forth. So, and I don't know. I'm a business Democrat, former D.C. Chamber of Commerce president. I don't know if I agree with that per se, but these are very two different business issues you're talking about. Here, go ahead.、Mm-hmm. I was going to say.、Uh, The, 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 Macy, the model of the huge department store is just going away, right? People are buying stuff online. They're going to、yes. specialty stores,、mm-hmm. buying local. There's a shift in the market and they're responding to that. The merger here is problematic for a lot of reasons because typically when you have one large supplier, They, that runs, that dominates the market. If these two well, combine, here, they'll dominate the West Coast here, here, here's, a, here's the Wall Street Journal, the FTC's grocery gift to Walmart and Amazon, right? right? Like, it, I, I can't imagine Democrats have loved over the years seeing Walmart and Amazon grow the way they have.、Yeah. What's your no, response to that, though? But my, my response is that there, we need more competition within the market. And so keeping these things. 
separated, that companies still competing on one another. But they smaller, have innovative but, solutions. But smaller they, operators can't compete with Amazon. Exactly. Small operators can't compete with Walmart. That's how you need a big operator. It's sort of like you can't compete with Mass. I, Scott and I can't start a bank and compete with Mastercard and Visa. Right. But right. Capital but, One could merge with Discover and compete with Mastercard. But most people still get their groceries locally, and that's what they're trying to like, keep so, access to here. Yeah, Master. just on the Macy's story, I actually see it as a very positive thing. So yeah. what people don't realize is that Macy's owns Bloomingdale's. And this new CEO that's been on the job for less than a month came from Bloomingdale's. He was the one that put in place this new branch of the store called Bloomies, which I love. <laughs> and it's very, it's very popular. They okay. opened the first one right here in Virginia, and it's a small boutique version of the store that feeds a more direct audience. Well, they're that, very popular and initial, growing. Was my initial cra- question crazy? No, it's not. Okay. But if Donald Trump were president, I know what the narrative would be from which Elizabeth would be? Warren, which is the rich are getting richer, which is why okay, they can do Bloomingdale's, and the poor are getting poorer, which is why they have to close Macy's. Okay. I know you're scoffing at me when you, when you give me that look. I is he right? That's what the message would be of Donald but Trump. But people are moving yeah. to Macy's online, so, so it's not like they're losing customers. Right. Okay. All right, another institution, by the way, undergoing major cuts, the U.S. Army. It is reducing the size of its total force by 24,000, or almost 5%, in preparation for future wars. Now, an Army document says the service is, uh, quote, significantly overstructured. They are, there are also not enough soldiers to fill existing units, by the way, due to recruiting shortfalls. I thought to myself, Mick, and you know about this significantly more than I do, but if the U.S. Army can cut... Why can't the Defense Department cut? Why can't the federal government cut? I'd be fascinated to know how this happened, because we tried to do this a bunch of times, and the Pentagon's answer was always, we can't cut, we can't cut, we can't cut. We're too small already. We need to be adding more people. So I'm not really sure what's driving this. I think there's a lot more to this story yet to come out, because this is, this, is, this is groundbreaking. It is. For the Army to cut back on their sizes like this, they, they always told the lawmakers they can never do with less. Ever. I remember having conversations with the Secretary of Defense saying, can you save one penny on a dollar next year? And he said, we've tried. We can't do that. Keep in mind, this is an entity that is not auditable. They are not able to be audited by the federal government or by an auditing firm. They just can't. They're too disorganized. So there's a lot more here below the surface. So back, to, to, see when it comes back to my initial question. If they can cut, and I was thinking to myself earlier today, arguably the greatest operator of this century, business operator, is Mark Zuckerberg. Whatever you think about Meta or him, you can't deny he's, he's one of the great operators of, of his generation. They just cut their workforce, and, and they're flush with cash. They just cut their workforce over the last year by 22% or so. So again, if the Army can do it, if one of the great companies of this generation can do it, why can't yeah, the DOD or anyone else in Washington think, do it? I don't think anybody on the panel is arguing with you about that. But what Mick says is the Army doesn't know how to do it. They've never done it before. They've never been audited before. And so this is all new stuff. So do you think this is the, first, the sign of something to come or no? Or yeah, I, 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 there's going to be a lot of folks on the Hill that want to know about this. Okay. Uh, yeah. Want to know where the 24 are coming from, why. What, there's more here than just this. And does it make us safe or less well, safe? And, and that, the reality is we need a more modern military. Yes. that can. We're not going to fight two wars at the same time or what we need more in the terms of cyber technologies etc but the real reason why we haven't had a bunch of cuts to military spending is congress because they want to protect military spending and don't want to have to defend cuts to our back to my it's interesting to hear mick say that because if one can do it and there's lots of questions about how one might this be the start of something new i don't know something to think about coming up a big oval office meeting today with the president and the top four lawmakers so What is it like to be in that room at that very moment right there? What actually happens and and what happened today? Hot Mike with Mick is next on the other side of the break. Stay with us. You're watching The Hill here on News Nation. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Potential uh, upcoming partial government shutdown, along with what to do with uh, aid for Israel, Ukraine, Taiwan, and, and border security as well. Look at that image right there on your screen. The big four... The president and the vice president. When you look at that image around the table, we go, Scott, what do you see? I talked to Mick about this earlier. Each one of them has something in their pocket, a deal, a fact, a law, something to solve this that they want out of this meeting. And I don't know what's in their pocket, but everyone has something in their pocket that they want to get out of this meeting. What do you see, Roma? Uh, I just wholeheartedly wish that we saw this more often. I think that the country needs it. Um, We need transparency with our leaders, and we certainly need to see more meetings like this where people are coming together. What do you say? Uh, I would use air quotes around meeting because I'm not sure that they actually discuss anything. But I will say the, the only person in that room who's presenting ideas that can't pass is the Speaker of the House. Everyone else is presenting bipartisan ideas that can get the job done, defend our allies and interests abroad. What do you see, Mick? Uh, can you bring the picture up? Uh, there's, there's, so, yeah, something, something got my attention. Have they reinstituted social distancing in the White House? I'm being completely no, serious. No, no, no. I was waiting for someone I'm to say that because serious. they're at the complete opposite end. That's not of, normal. But Yeah, but that that I didn't think so normal. either. I was waiting for someone to say well, that. Maybe they don't like each other. Well, <laughs> that, no, no. I'm not trying to make a You're talking about the two on the couches, the president and the vice president next to each other. Why is sitting that far away from Chuck? Ordinarily, when we do these meetings, everybody's sitting down at the end like you would in an ordinary meeting. That is very strange to me. Concerned if they're close or they're cuddled. So, but so. Go, go to the substance <laughs> of it. You know when you walk into these meetings if you're going to get a deal yeah, most right. of yeah. the time, yeah. and you know what the rhetoric is. The question is, was it a conversation about doing a deal or was everybody posturing? And you'll know the answer to that question very quickly. Hold that thought. Time now for Hot Mike with Mick, oh, where Mulvaney gives us a peek behind the scenes. Tells us what he's hearing. All right, take it from there. That meeting, um, what, did you was, hear anything out of it? What would you yeah, make of it? There was probably more posturing than deal making, uh, what it comes down to. And you saw, you saw some of the takeaway quotes that people gave to the media when they right. left. Schumer walks out talking about Ukraine funding. Mike Johnson comes out talking about the border. If they're talking past each other, there's probably not going to be a deal. I remember talking to, 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 uh, to Donald Trump a couple times in the, in the Oval Office, and he's like, are we going to get a deal? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, why? Because we're just talking about money. He's like, the deal's not about money. So, no, Mr. President, when you're going to buy a piece of property and you're offering $100 and they want $200, you are going to get a deal because you're talking about the same thing. Right. If you want to buy a piece of property and they're talking about something entirely different, it's going to be hard to get a deal. This is going to be hard to get a deal. But they're not, talk- they're not talking past each other on government Funding, it's more about the Ukraine-Taiwan border, Israel. No, if, if Schumer's coming in and said, we had a good discussion about Ukraine, and Mike walks out and says, we need to be talking about the southern border, okay. they are not close to a deal. Okay, all right. New subpoena issued today to uh, the Attorney General Merrick Garland by the House Oversight and Judiciary Committee Chairman James Comer, Jim Jordan as well. They are asking for the full transcript of President Biden's interview with the special counsel Robert Herr in part The head of the Oversight Committee says, quote, we owe it to the American people to provide transparency and accountability about the extent of Joe Biden retaining sensitive materials. 
and the concerns raised about the current mental state and fitness to be president of the United States. All right, Mick, he says that this is owed to the American people. Is it? And then I would ask you, too, what, what does Donald Trump owe to the American people then in the name of transparency? Yeah, I, I'm not sure they're going to get this up. I'll leave it to Scott on, on, on what the legalities are around this type of testimony. So far. I can't imagine they would be getting this. They might get it after the next election. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious right. about that. Uh, but they're not going to get this stuff now. They're going to get it. Springs eternal. They're not going to get it. If they do, it's heavily redacted. There's no obligation. This is an internal investigation, one that includes national security pieces. And I just don't see they're going to get it. I don't know if they're going to impeach anybody for not turning it over. But you should, just don't get this stuff. You should don't they want turn it, it over? Public market. I, look, I'm an Article One supremacist, and I think Congress should get the documents it's demanding. Um, I, I'm kind of concerned about their motives here, which I think are political and just designed to try to humiliate the president. In this town? Really? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, but I, typically I side on the on arrow the side of Congress okay. getting the documents it's well. All right, yeah. finally, want to get, uh, get mixed thoughts on this story. Uh, Hunter Biden sees his sobriety as key to keeping Trump from winning. Exclusive interview in Axios, Hunter Biden and Axios. Now, Mick, um, Hunter Biden says, says a lot in there, basically that, in part, and I'm paraphrasing, that he, he wants to keep sober, and as his dad is, is running for president, the consequences that yeah. might be you know, downstream from that. But, uh, and this is the question that we pose to with President Biden at the top, right? Like, you go through the process of when do we want to do something like this, and why do we want to do it? Why do you think Hunter Biden and those in the Biden orbit said, you know what, it's time for Hunter to talk now and to talk in this form. Ordinarily, you're right. And in a properly functioning administration, that's exactly what would happen. I think there's a chance here that Hunter Biden is still a free agent and is not clearing things in the White House. What's my basis for saying that? I have an example of that. The time he gave the impromptu press conference at the steps of the Capitol building, I'm, you don't get the feeling the White House knew that one was coming. He's got a very high-profile uh, celebrity lawyer who's running his case. For Abby him. Lowell. And this may be more designed to sort of take care of Hunter than anything else, or at least designed to sell books or do whatever. I, I don't automatically go to the assumption that this was coordinated with the White House. So don't clip this, but I agree with Mick. Uh, in the sense that he's, unlike President Trump, Biden's children are not in this administration. He is a free and independent citizen. He is not an employee of the federal government. He is running his own defense and his own effort here. I, I agree with you. Because of that, he probably I, did run it by the White House operations. As a white-collar criminal defense lawyer, He's got a really good lawyer, one, mm -hmm. and two, you see Hunter Biden out front more, and Hunter Biden is the boss. He's the client, all right? So the lawyer and strategy isn't doing anything without the client's approval. And think about it. It's not just good politics, right? But it's also good for his defense. We're talking about sobriety. I represented Marion Barry. And when he ran for mayor again, let me tell you, he went to communities that War Three and War Two that weren't his friends, and he talked about his sobriety, his drug use, and his mistakes, right? And he said one thing, and I'll never forget. He said, the difference between you and Bob, and Bob or Bill and what have you is everyone's got a member of their family who's had sobriety and drug challenges, right? Except mine are on the front page and so yours are and I'm going to tell you, that's an effective argument. You're going to hear more of this. So to, to take that a step further, um, he's not, Marion Barry wasn't running for president. Hunter Biden's father is running for president. So then it begs okay. the question, should 
should he be doing? I, I know I, I understand. The Republicans have made Hunter Biden a talking point, and he's tired of not talking. He wants to talk about sobriety and his road to recovery because it's human, and so many Americans, millions of Americans, can identify with it. It may not stop him from being indicted or rather uh, prosecuted, right. if you will. He, but it certainly helps politically. Mm -hmm. He wants to talk about his sobriety because it's a positive thing. It's a wonderful thing to find it's a sobriety. Thing. But. That is the reason that he's bringing it up, because it counteracts the narrative that he's getting from the Republican Party about where did all of this money come from that you were getting from these countries overseas and while your father was vice president. That is the narrative. You can't just say, I'm sober now, so what I did back then doesn't count. It's the same thing to tie into the story that we just talked about, Joe Biden and the transcript that Jim Jordan is demanding. They want to know where was your mindset when you took these documents? That is the real question that you're getting from Republicans. Pure conjecture. Pure conjecture. I, I'm just back. Hunter Biden is not the president, and he shouldn't be prosecuted. If your name was on the indictment or my name was on the allegation, we would never be prosecuted by DOJ. No. All right. We'll leave it there. Meantime, uh, on this day in which Michigan has its primary an hour and eight minutes until the polls close, we're looking from our hill to yours. And tonight we're spotlighting... Farmington Hills, Michigan, town of about 84,000, 20 miles from downtown Detroit, not far away from Ann Arbor, Michigan as well, home of the national champion. <laughs> Farmington Hills is in Oakland County, and in 2022, Governor Gretchen Whitmer got 61% of the vote in Oakland County. President Biden got 56% of the vote there in 2020. Donald Trump, 42%. And in 2016, that county was separated, Trump and Clinton, by just 0.2%. Hello to those of you watching in Farmington Hills and listening to us on Sirius XM <laughs> from there. Coming up still from the Hill, Apple is scrapping plans to build an electric car. And it's not the only company that is reversing course on EV. So is there a warning sign here? Leland Vitter joins us on the other side of the break. Stay with us. Tonight on News Nation, the Drew Peterson exclusive continues. What life looks like behind bars in a maximum security prison. News Nation's Ashley Banfield, face to face with the killer. Tonight, 10 9 Central, only on News Nation. All right, welcome back here to the Hill on News Nation. So it looks like there will not be an Apple electric vehicle after all. According to reports from Bloomberg, the tech company is scrapping plans to build an electric car a project that had been in the works really for years. And it's not, by the way, just Apple that is facing setbacks. For example, Rivian, when it reported just uh, last week or so, announced that it was laying off 10% of its staff. This is the Biden administration aims to potentially slow down the country's shift to electric vehicles, pushing out Leland, the EV mandate, potentially all the way to 2032. Leland Vitter, host of On Balance. It's fair to say that this has not gone the way that the administration has no. hoped. No, because consumers, and some of these consumers actually spoke and they figured out that EVs aren't ready for prime time. And even with massive subsidies, consumers didn't buy them. Uh, they don't work when it's really hot in hurricanes because they flood. They don't work in really cold. And there's all, the, there's all right. these issues. 